Uh, hello, Recovery Fam, and welcome back to the Unashamed Recovery Podcast, where we believe there is healing in the story of our scars and that it is okay to not be okay. It is our mission to break the shame and stigma of addiction and recovery by sharing real stories of real addiction from real people and real recovery and real sobriety. We share stories straight out of the pit. Stories of hope. I'm your host, Josh. I'm your co-host, Drew. And I put the fun in dysfunctional. And you can put that on a t-shirt. I'm Palmer. And roll that intro. Unashamed Recovery Podcast. Yep. That's how it's the done. The Unashamed Recovery Podcast. The Unashamed Recovery Podcast with Josh, Drew, and Palmer starts now. This is episode 55, Blue Christmas, Surviving Holiday Grief. This is our holiday special coming in between the end of season four and the start of our fifth year. We're no longer doing a season. We're doing away with that. We're just going straight into the, our normal uh, episodes. So we hope you enjoy today's episode. Today, we are joined by Chandra Wilson, Chandra of the Recovery Room in Philadelphia, Mississippi. Welcome to the Unashamed Recovery Podcast. Thank we are so glad me. that you are Welcome. here. Glad to be here. <laughs> That's what it would sound like if we had a group, yeah. uh, a, a house full of people. Yeah, just, yeah, just, yeah. just going ecstatic. On. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we need to just pop in like audience noise. Yeah. What we'll do? We should AI some some people back here and get a camera. Never mind. It, What's up, Miss Shan? How are you? I'm doing good. How are y'all? Doing we well. Doing awesome. very well. Thank you for well. joining us. I'm glad to be here. And I know we have been talking on and off for what it seems like the last year yep. about you know different stuff, and I'm so thankful that we're finally able to get you on and to talk about grief. Yes, me too. Because so many people in recovery are dealing with grief and they get to the holidays and they don't know how to handle the grief. Amen. And so because of that, so many times we get guys or women who are long-term recovery, they relapse. And sometimes people don't come back from a relapse. Yep. So it's important to have these conversations about grief, especially this time of year. So thank you for Really stepping forward in faith and coming on here and talking about this because I know it's it's not a fun topic to talk about, uh, especially no, not, not this time of year. Yeah, exactly. Which but is, I think that's probably the, the best time of year to talk about it, just because it's so difficult. Right here, I yeah, was just about know, to say the same right thing. The, the, this right is probably the, the best time to oh, yeah. to have this conversation because there's so many people out there that are um, either just lost somebody or. Um, you know, still struggling with the loss, no matter how many years it's been. You know, I lost my, my best friend when I was 22. I'm 41 now. And there are times where it's it's still very hard. Um, so I can I can empathize and kind of sympathize with people that have just lost, especially if you lost a, a husband or a wife or, you know, God forbid, a kid or anything like that. So this is a great time of year for us to, to reflect on grief yeah. so that all of y'all know that, one, there are people out there that are just like you. Most definitely. You are not yes. alone. Yes, so that's true. right. Not alone in your so grief. True. Yep. Also, the main, the main thing is to know, hey, you do have some other options than to give in to the overwhelming of your grief. Amen. Like, there's, there, there's another way out. Amen. So with that, and I know we're going to get into some, some, some ways of, of overcoming grief, mm -hmm. but before we do that, I want to get your story, because I know you have a personal story yes, I do. with grief. Yes. So so walk us through that. Where does your story with grief start? Um, well, my story with grief begins, um, I would have to say with the loss of my mother, um, which was a very heavy blow for me. Um, my mother and I were like this. We were connected at the hip. After my father was killed, we for 17 years, it was just me and her at home. Yeah. And so we had a a close bond. So when she passed away, that was like my lifeline was gone. Right. I mean, you know how you have someone in your life and you're used to them being there. And when that void is, when they're gone, it's, it feels empty. It's yeah, nothing are, to fill that void. And so um, that's where I began. Um, my mother had breast cancer. 
Um, and when she passed, she was four months shy of her 80th birthday. Man. Our plans mm. were to celebrate her for her 80th birthday, but God didn't allow. But what um, happened with that, with the loss, it took me to a place I never thought or imagined. I, see pe- I saw people that dealt with grief and wondered, often wondered, why are, why are they like that? Why are they acting like that? Like, why can't Not, you just let it you go? Know, yes, right. why can't you let it go? Why can't you get over it? And when I got in it, I understood. It made me, all those words I said about why are they dealing with that hit me. It slapped me in the face. So I, I yeah. understood why. It's never fun eating it, your own words. No, it's not. No. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. Um, I so understand that. I lost my grandmother from breast cancer at 10 years old. Mm-hmm. And um, the person I would have been is not the person I am today. Right. When she died, we, I was big in the church. You know, she's one of the biggest Christians I'd ever met mm-hmm. in, in my entire life to this day. And when she died, I completely turned to a different person. Mm-hmm. The one person that I knew understood me beyond a shadow of a doubt was now gone. Mm-hmm. And she was the only one I thought understood me. And so I went the rebellious way because my grandmother died. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I've ever said that to, to yeah. anybody but like family. But yeah, I yeah. completely understand that whole uh, you blame God, mm-hmm. um, you're course. mad at God, yes, you. you um, if you're like me, you yelled, <laughs> screamed, and cussed at God. And, um, and then you just, as John said in the last episode, you just decide, you know what, I'm going to do it my way. And uh, so, yeah, I, that hits real close to home. Oh, yeah. So how old were you at the time whenever your, your mom had passed? Um, I was about, at that time, I believe I was about 37, I believe, maybe 37, 38 at that time. Um, it's only been five years ago um, that she passed. And the reason I think that it hit me so hard when she passed um, I come from a Pentecostal background, and so we're taught, me and my husband were discussing this morning, we're taught how to go to church, we're taught how to pray, we're tra- taught how to do all these things, we're taught how to do church. That's right. But a lot of times we're not taught how to face real life trials. Right, we're right. told the word about what to do when trials come, but we're not told, I'm not going to say every church, because some churches do. But a lot of times in the time I grew up in, we knew church, how do you know how to lift your hands, clap your hands, when to say the right words, amen. But you, when it came to learning how to go through these trials, it seemed like it hit yeah. you. And so I think the thing that really got me was when my mom, I, I'm, my mom was a woman of prayer, a woman of faith. I, I've considered myself a woman of prayer, a woman of faith. But when that hit, it was like that went out the window. You know, because I, um, the one thing I remember telling God when she passed, you didn't hear me. Right. And like you said, I was angry. I told God, I said, you didn't hear me. Why didn't should care. I keep following you? I was, I was going to church and sitting in church like, I don't want to be here. That's right. And not only that, my mother and I sat kind of across from each other. So you always had eyes on her. Uh-huh. Yeah. So my daughter could, I mean, all those years, my daughter could just walk across the seat. And And go across to to where she was. So I had to move to a different section of the church, but I could still see where she sat. And so that that hit hard. So I, I, you know, I would sit in church a lot of times, and I would be like, "Why am I here? He didn't hear me. So why am I here?" So it's almost like you were going with false belief. Yeah. At that point, Mm -hmm. because you had so many doubts into your own morality. Uh, I mean, I know for me, that's how you know it went like that for quite some time after Ashley died, and that was the girlfriend I had in high school. Yeah. You know, I'd still go and show up, but I didn't know why I was still showing up. Didn't want to be there. Just going through the motions. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. This is what I'm supposed to do, so this is what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And I, But the whole time, I was seething mad at God. Right. Sitting in his house. Well, and, and, I <laughs> yeah. think, and I think it all goes back to what Shandra just was talking about, how about church doesn't really do a good job of preparing us for this. No, they, I think they teach you how to celebrate all, like, the triumphs and coming out of the degradation, but when you're in it. I don't think church does, does a and, really good job of teaching you how think, to be in it. And I think that's where faith-based recovery programs do a good job of coming in and filling that gap. Programs like Celebrate Recovery, programs like Recovery Alive, programs like uh, Living Free, yeah, uh, all those. But how many people will take advantage of those programs because of those programs are for 
addicts. But it's not <laughs> that for everybody. Yeah. I think every 12-step program out there, somebody needs to go through one. Yeah. Pick one yeah. and go through it. So you're, you're, you're dealing with all this. You, you can't sit in your church. So how long does that go on before you actually are able to, to sit in the church and not, not be overwhelmed with that? Well, it took much prayer. Um, it took much prayer and people praying for me. My husband called people to pray because he could see it and mm. what, what, what it was doing to me because um, I was coming home, um, going into her room because we lived at her house because we were there taking care of her. So we ended up mm. staying there, going into her room and I would shut the door. I put worship music on. And of course, to myself, I'm thinking I'm going in there praying. But actually, I'm in there just crying my eyes out. Yes, I'm listening to worship, but at the same time, I'm angry with God. Right. So as you all said just a few minutes ago, you do it out of a routine ritual. And it talks about that in the Bible, how the people did things out of routine rituals. And a lot of things we do, we take a certain road because of routine. That's right. But yep. um, what helped me um, after dealing with all that I was dealing with, it was a step that came that God used to help me because I, I said, God, you didn't hear me. And my sister even said, my sister is a nurse. So she knew everything that was going to happen as it happened. And so she said, I no longer want to be a nurse mm. because she's, she's helped other people go through it, but never imagined that she would have to deal with seeing her own mother right. go through it. And so, um, like I said, my my I, I can just remember my words so clearly saying, God, you didn't hear me. We prayed for her to be healed. Yeah. And you didn't do it. You know, I, I and I remember hearing the He just didn't do it your way. Yeah, he didn't do it my way. That's, that's exactly right. He didn't exactly. do it my way. He did it. He just because, didn't do it your yeah, way. She's healed. She's yeah, not, yeah. That's she's, what we have to tell so many people. Like he didn't say, "I'll heal you on this so, earth." Right. He just said, "I'm going to heal you. I right. will heal you. I will not let you suffer forever." And right. I, and I had nurses tell me afterwards that she was ready. Right. She she said she was worried about us. Right. But she was ready to go. She was grieving. I felt like she was grieving herself. She had just lost her husband a year before. Right. So I felt like she was ready to go because he was gone. Right. She just yeah. wanted to make sure we were okay. But the thing I feel like it was a turning point for me, um, I had gotten to where I was kind of like stuck in the house because I was so used to going, doing with my mom. And so when it, I remember one day, one night being in bed and normally we had a baby monitor in our room in, with her room. Her so when she would call out, I would get up. So I never get the night. Um, I heard Chandra, Chandra. And so I rushed getting out of bed like I would normally do. And my husband kind of grabbed me like, where, what are you doing? where are you going? And I said, I'm going, mama called me. I'm going to check on her. And he said, she's no longer here. And it just, it seemed like from there, it was like the realization really just, it really hit me. Like my mama is gone. Oh. I can no longer call her. I had, I call her 20 times a day. Yeah. She calls me. We, that's just how yeah. close we were. And so um, what happened, my sister said, let's go to a conference. And I said, okay. So we decided, we took our girls with us. We went and stayed for Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And so that night, we got there a little bit late because we were coming to Jackson from Philadelphia. We got there a little bit late. So the preacher got up, and the message she preached was, God wants to heal your womb. And I just said, okay. Really? Yeah. <laughs> you know, in my mind, I'm like, I can't be healed. That's right. Right. My mom is gone. My wounds too. Big. I mean, she, she he can't. They can't bring her back. So <laughs> my wound can't be healed. So I was trying to. That just kind of went over my head. So as she began to preach, she began to walk the aisles and she began to prophesy, speak a word of God to different people. So the first person she went to, she said something to them. She came to my sister, and when she got to my sister, she said. You did all you could do. Because my sister was asking, did I do as a nurse right. all that I could have done? And I looked like that was her exact words. You yeah. know, so she, of course, she just, she began to just cry. And she sat in her seat. So then she walked back up to the pulpit and she came back. <laughs> she comes back <laughs> and I said, okay. So she walked back down the aisle and she said, God said he heard you. 
when I looked, I just got goosebumps. God. And I was like, okay. She walked back. She came back. She said, he said he heard you. She said, he said he heard you so well that he orchestrated it where you all could, couldn't, you know, could not be there at the times you would. So when mama was sick, what we would do was we would take turns, even though she was non-responsive and they were telling us, go home, we would still stay at the hospital. We would take turns. So we might come all together there in the evening, then we would take turns staying the night. Well, we never let my brother stay on Saturday night because he had to play for two churches. Well, that Friday he got sick. And so he didn't feel well on Saturday. So um, we, he, he got sick on Friday and he didn't feel well. So we ended up staying for him. Normally he would stay on Friday and we would stay on Saturday. Well, he said, I'm going to come and stay Saturday then. And we were like, no, we'll just take over. You got to go. He said, no, I'm going to stay. So he stayed. So before any of us could get there, he had to leave. So by the time he left, he called. He said, I'm leaving. I'm heading to church. By the time he left, my sister called me and she said, I'm going to go ahead and get up and head to the, to the hospital. And she said, but I can't find my keys. She said, I know where I put them at last night. And I don't know if they moved them or what. I couldn't find I can't find them. She was wrestling, trying to find her keys. She finally found her keys, got in the elevator of the hospital. And when she got in the elevator of the hospital, her coworker called her and said, I'm in the room with your mom. Your brother has already left and she's passed. So the lady began to share with us that God orchestrated it to the point that none of us were, we're there. there. So if, if had not been for my brother staying that day, we never allowed him to stay on Saturdays. Yeah. And she said, you all, he orchestrated that way because if you all had been there, you all would have prayed her back. So mm. that stirred something in me to know that my faith was still there that I would have, but like you said, it was not my way, it was his God's way, way. <clears throat> you know, and so that started something in me, so the whole weekend, that conference, really just, and, and then my mom always said she wanted to, when she died, she wanted to die empty, having completed all her assignments, so she walked to the pulpit, and she walked back, and <laughs> said something else, she said, she died empty, so... That there, what more could you say? Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> right? I heard, I heard you. Okay. I'm over here speechless. I like, need I, you I, to tell me three times I got it. What more Thank can you. I say? It, it takes three. Yeah, I know. Then we just talk about I three. I know, I know, I know. We just <laughs> talked about three. Mm -hmm. Man. That's, that's awesome. Man, what else could you, what, what more closure could you, could you get? I right. Mean, whew. I mean, to have somebody that you have no, uh, no contact with, no nothing mm -mm. with that person come down and be like, okay, not only did God tell me this, he told me this, and he told me this. And mm -hmm. you're like, oh, so you did hear me. So okay. you, oh. mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. one, that's one of those where you want to take a step back for a second and just really relish in like the all, mm -hmm. but it's a little scary at the same time. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Because you're just like, really? You see, you did hear me. So you come home from this conference, are you still just stuck? In this, this place, are you where still you, angry? Yeah, are we still are you, mad? Are we still? Are you just in this kind of this emptiness, or, or are you kind of like okay, maybe there may be something that like? I think that broke the anger, but it still did not. That was like the first. You know how you take a step, mm -hmm. and you may fall back. Mm -hmm. It was a step to know, okay, God did hear me. Yeah. So He is there. He hears me. Yeah, that's amazing. But okay, still, why didn't you do it? Why didn't you do it? So it was coming to grips with, okay, now you know that he heard you. You got to live without her. Right. And so it was the living without her, no more of the anger, but more of the living without her. Yes, there were times I would still get a little angry and frustrated because I was thinking, I don't have her here that I can call and ask how to do this or that. So I came, I made a vow to God that I, from there, um, our church had a 5 a.m. prayer meeting that I was going to get up every morning because I needed some kind of help. Yeah. And I thought that was the way. But I still did the overeating. And the reason why I overate is because I couldn't sleep. So I would go to sleep. And every time I go to sleep, 
I would have this sharp pain from the back of my head all the way down to my, my hand. And so I thought, oh, my God, I'm having a stroke. <laughs> and, you know, that's what I thought every night. Right. That I was having a so stroke. So that becomes a stroke. I was like. High quarters all levels and at so that point. I would close my eyes and the devil would say, <clears> don't <throat> close your eyes. You're going to die. And so I'm like. Well, what do I do? So I get up. And so I say that I slept an hour. My husband says, Mm-mm. Yeah. he said, I didn't sleep an hour. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> you tossed and turned for an hour. He said, I didn't sleep an hour. And so I would get up and I would stay up sometimes. It would be, I, most of the time I go to bed almost 11 midnight. Right. And so by the time I get back up, when I go, I, I'm going to the refrigerator. I'm going to the cabinets. I'm going to eat chips cookies, whatever you can name. I'm trying to get it just to, and watching TV. Yeah. And then by that time, it's time for me to go to work. So guess what? I'm not taking a bath because I'm, what I'm taking a bath for. Sounds like you were in full survival mode. Yeah. I, I went from, and I tell people this all the time. I said, I went from grief to the spirit of grief. And so then, I started studying what that was. And that was a spirit that really grips you and like, I'm, I'm not letting you go. You're going to stay stuck here. So now I understand why I see people walking around that have dealt with loss, addictions. I understand them more now. God has allowed me to understand them more now where people would say, oh, God, look at them on the street. You know, now I understand them more. I can understand where they may be. No, I don't know how it feels to have a drug addiction, but I can sympathize and empathize with them because I know what it is to have a loss because I had an addiction with food. I was stuck. That's addiction. Right. You know, being stuck. And so God began to deal with me about not staying stuck. And he kept taking me to Exodus 14. And I was like, I'm not walking through a Red Sea, but this, that was by, you were in the midst of it, I, drowning. That was my Red Sea. And so I was taking every little thing. I was like, hype myself up. Mother's Day is coming. Christmas is coming. I'm going to do good. And I make, would do good that day. But the next day it would hit me and I would be all hysterical. I probably, said some crazy stuff for my, to my husband, to my child, and we're to the point that she even began to isolate herself from me. Mm. You know, she would more talk to her dad. So the grief wasn't wouldn't. only affecting you and putting you in survival mode. It was doing it to the entire family. Mm -hmm. It was doing it to the so entire family. So the devil family. was actually getting the work in. It, he was. He was separating you from husband Marriage from and family. Mm -hmm. Man, that's he tough. He was. That's tough. When and he my daughter was well, already. He'd already, he'd, already true he'd already separated from church because she couldn't go to the church without getting reminded. Right. Mm -hmm. So she, he'd already separated from that. So she, I mean, she was isolated on. on that's what all, I'm saying. On, on so it was, it was full survival yeah. mode mm -hmm. with then every I, wall up that you can put up just so you don't have to feel or get hurt mm -hmm. again. That's yeah, right. I, I just want to say that also, like, understand that so many people are like, if I could just hear from God, if I just knew that he was speaking to me, you did, mm -hmm. and you still Stayed had stuck. still stuck in that, that mm -hmm. grief. So, look, you may be hearing exactly what uh, what God's trying to tell you. Somebody may prophesy over you, or you may, you know, actually he hear uh, God speak to you, whether it's audible, some people have heard, have that, or, or thought in your head or whatever, and, and know that God is talking to you and still be stuck in either your addiction or your grieving or whatever it is. So I, I just want everybody that's watching and listening to understand, like, look, even if you've heard from God and you know you've heard from God like you did, mm -hmm. you could still be, you could still be like, I'm still stuck. Because I think yep. a lot of people are you like, man, if stuck. I just, if I just heard, if I just knew for a fact that God was real and he's here and he's listening to me, then I wouldn't be this way. You know, Man, God I don't still, think that's sometimes it. Sometimes God will still give you a sign mm -hmm. and you still won't pay attention because you don't know how to hear it. Dude, I could get, I could get <laughs> I mean, hit over You the... don't know how to see it. You don't know how to hear it. You're going to miss it. It's just like if I was driving down I-59 right now, I-20, I-59, if I don't know how to read a speed limit sign, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to speed. Well, I was just thinking of uh, Bruce Almighty where he's like, just give me a sign. <laughs> the truck full of signs pulls up right in front of me. He's like, I just need you to get... <laughs> and there's a sign right there. That would be me. I mean, that's that's me all of, I mean, for real, that's me. It's like I, I'll be asking God, just give me a sign. And there'd be one that'd be like, This is a sign from God. Be like, 
That that was just coincidence. That's not the one. Just coincidence. That's not right. That's not. That's not for me. Sometimes we say that's the one we don't want. Yeah. Then we're trying to teach God how to be God, and that never works out. And that's going to roll into more grief. (laughs) And I think that is a sign for us to go to a commercial break and hear from our lovely sponsors. So we just heard about Chandra's dealing with grief. When we come back, we're going to hear some ways that you too can apply this and also help you in your struggle with grief if that is you so stay tuned we'll be right back after this word from our sponsors unashamed recovery podcast is heard around the world in over 42 countries including over 780 cities in all 50 states here in the united states people around the world are hearing the message of the hope of recovery from addiction and that's because of listeners like you who donate but also because of our sponsors local sponsors like d's automotive in meridian mississippi serving the east central mississippi and west alabama areas for over 42 years D's is a name you can trust when it comes to your vehicle. For all your complete car care needs and service and towing and car locks, that's D's Automotive. Go by and see Miss Jeannie, Mike, and the boys at 5024 Poplar Springs Drive. That's 5024 Poplar Springs Drive in Meridian. Or give them a call at 601-482-1800. That's 601-482-1800. And tell them that Josh and Drew sent you. The Unashamed Recovery Podcast is also sponsored by Ended for Good. Ended for Good is a Mississippi-based nonprofit that works on advocacy and education around drug policy in Mississippi. Ended for Good works to help communities understand how health-centered approaches to addiction can help local communities become safer and keep more families thriving. If you're interested in learning more about harm reduction, you can check out Ended for Good on all social media or on their website at enditforgood.com. That's Ended for good.com. Unashamed Recovery is also sponsored internationally by Sober Life Love, a sober dating site made for the sober community. Are you tired of the dating scene revolving around alcohol and drugs? Do you want to find someone who shares your commitment to a sober lifestyle? Look no further than Sober Life Dot love. The Sober Life Love platform is specifically designed for individuals who are sober and seeking a partner who shares in their same values. Whether you're in recovery, prefer not to drink, or simply choose to live a sober lifestyle, we provide a safe and supportive community for you to connect with like-minded individuals. With our advanced matching algorithms, you can find compatible partners who understand your journey and respect your choices. From sober activities to meaningful conversations, our dating services are offers a variety of ways to connect and build relationships. Soberlife.love is the new way to connect with people who understand and support your journey. Join today for free at www.soberlife.love. That's www.soberlife.love. Now back to your normally scheduled programming right here on Unashamed Recovery Podcast. Welcome back. Thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, we just want to kind of recap the first half of this. We're here with Miss Shan. We're talking about Blue Christmas. We're talking about grief. and uh, But there's more to that story than just grief. There's more to the story than just, you know, the title of being Blue Christmas. You also have the recovery room. So I'm assuming sometime today we're going to get into the recovery room. Correct, Josh? Time out. What is, what is the recovery room? It's okay. my ministry that I have. Okay, can. Can, do you, you want to jump into that, or do we still want, we got anything else that we want to say before then about the grieving process, or maybe that's or how, how we got to the recovery room? I can share just a little bit more about, okay. uh, little yeah, bit yeah. More about the grieving kinda, process. Kind of lead us to how we got to the recovery okay. room. Uh, well, it's, it's great to be connected and listen to people. Uh, thank God for people that can be um, connected to you, that can help you, and it's good to listen. Sometimes Amen. we don't want to listen. When people are there to help us, but I had a doctor that worked with me and she saw where I was headed and I kept saying, I'm dreading Mother's Day. Mm. I'm dreading Mother's Day. And she said to me, I want you to come into my office. So I go into her office and she said, let me share something with you. She said, my mother's mother, which was her um, great grandmother, lost her mom. So because she lost her mom, her grandmother could not celebrate her mom. She didn't want her children to celebrate her because she lost her mom. So Mother's Day was like just, a dead day for yeah, them. Right. She didn't want day. gifts. 
She didn't want flowers. She didn't want anybody to say Happy Mother's Day because she lost her mom. So it just so, it through. Yeah. And so sometimes we have to deal with things because it'll trickle down on our children and our family. So she reminded me not to um, make Mother's Day miserable for my family at home. Mm. She said, you have a husband that wants to celebrate you and a child. So don't make that miserable. So I didn't. I listened to that. I took that in because sometimes we are on the inside dealing with it that we don't see the outside of us. And so I began to tell God then, I remember standing in my living room and I cuffed my hand and I tell people all the time, I said, it came out of nowhere. I don't know why. I guess it was the leading of the Lord. Cuffed my hand and I said, God, please take this cup of grief from me. Mm. I said, I am tired of drinking from it. I, I poured it and poured it and poured it and I'm, I'm sick of it. I'm ready to be healed. I'm ready to be free of this. I'm, I'm tired of feeling like this because it was draining. Right. And so as I began to tell God about that, God um, led also someone else that I was close to. She had lost her husband, um, my former pastor's wife. And she began, I would tell her how I was feeling. And she said, how's it getting? I said, it's getting a little bit better, but I'm still feeling like this. Da, 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 da. And she said, Chandra, go see a counselor. And I said, a counselor. For what? I just pray about it. I used to say that all the time. For what? I would just say I'll pray about it because being a church baby <laughs> and I had, you know, after the conference, that's what I started doing. I started going to the church with the mothers praying, but I was still hurt. Right. And so a lot of times growing up in the church, and I'm going to say I'm not, I don't know about any other denominations, but Pentecostal. And so I'm going to say we are taught Take it to the altar and leave it there. Um, shout over it. Um, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And that was another thing with me. I would have people coming up to me telling me scriptures, and I'm looking at them like, I know the scriptures. <laughs> you ain't got to tell me a scripture. You know, and that would make me angry. So another thing with church, they would say some of the stupidest stuff to me, and it would make me mad. So I would leave church. Whatever I got was gone. So what were some of the things I'm interested in now? Well, I want to interject one thing. I already know where this is going. I grew up Pentecostal. And back in 2017, when I was going through my relapse from my porn and sex addiction, I reached out to a mentor that I had whenever I was a teenager. I looked up to him. I reached out to him for help. Now, this is before I went back to celebrate recovery. I was still in the middle of my relapse. And he is in the Pentecostal church still. I'm not. And when I reached out for help, his exact words were, oh, you just need to pray on it. Mm. <clears throat> While that is technically true, <laughs> that does not help <laughs> in that moment. I mean, it helps. You don't want to hear just, that. Yeah. You don't want to hear that. You, you, you're, wanting, you're wanting something... With a little bit more meat on it. Because, well, for me, that's the most impersonable thing that somebody can tell me. That is just your cookie cutter. Yeah, why didn't he say, let us pray about it? He's like, you just need to pray on it. So you already, go, you go ahead, you go pray. pray. I, I, yeah, it just sounds like you didn't really want to be bothered. With I, so I, I already, like, I already I know. Because like like. this, this church people with the. Yes. So, so yes. So, Everything so. happens for a reason. They do. God has a plan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've and heard, all look, all of that's that great, too. and it's it's all true. But like, I need help. I need yeah. you to give me more than that. She wouldn't yeah. want you to be down here saying. That's right. Ah, you ah. know things like she's that. She's looking and, down on um, you. She's smiling. You know, just different things um, that. You know, basically what they've said. And I'm not at all bashing the church. No. I'm not bashing the Pentecostal church because it happens at every church. Yes. Right. And that's why I feel that it's important that every ministry should have some type of grief or addiction ministry because the pastor cannot help everything. Right. Um, pastors deal with things themselves. We've, we're yes. seeing where pastors are killing themselves. Luckily, in our church, we have two. We have Grief Share on Monday nights, and we have <clears throat> Celebrate Recovery on Monday nights, both of which have helped. 
yeah. you know, through various situations. And a lot of churches are not fortunate to have those kind of ministries available to them. And right. so, as, but yes, like you said, it's, mm-hmm. it, churches need to have mm-hmm. something in place. Yeah, they do. Yes. And I think that the um, churches have, I think we as a people, we look at grief and we think, oh, all of us deal with that. All of us have a loss. And so we just sweep it under the rug. Everybody's okay. And I was just telling somebody recently that lost a mom. I said, um, those five days they give you off of work does not heal it. That food that they bring to your house does not heal it. I said, because after that week of the funeral, nobody's coming by. Not hardly. Some people may be, be still calling, coming by, but it's not flooded. So that week of, you're okay. So my week was the week after my mom's passed because I took, I went to work that week. I used to always say, I don't want how people go to work when their, their loved one passed. I had to, to keep sane. So the week after, mm -hmm. so the week after I didn't go to work and I think I, and then when my husband went back to work, he, he stayed a few home, a few days with me. And after a few days, he had to go back to work. Well, I, I was, that was me family in the house by myself. So, I'm screaming and hollering because I'm like, how am I going to to do this? And so what led me to the recovery room, um, 2019, is I began, I said, okay, it's time for me to do what my, my spiritual mom said and go see a counselor. So I go see a counselor. And before I, the, the steps, and I can't talk about all of that now, um, but the steps to getting to see a counselor was tough because the devil was saying, okay, when you go, I mean, he was just talking to me heavy. You're going to forget her. Ooh. And my spiritual mom, when I talked to her again, I said, I don't think I can do counseling. She was like, girl, you're not going to forget your mama. You're going to always remember her. Right. So when I finally found a place to go, it was called the anchor clinic. And when I walked in, and I sat on the couch. It was just like, whew. and she began to tell me that Jesus is, is your anchor. And she wasn't super spiritual. We didn't bring up a whole God unless I brought it up, you know. And my husband had already advised me, don't go to anybody that know that you know or That's that right. knew your mom. Because everybody in Philadelphia knew my mom because she taught school there. <laughs> or she baked <laughs> cakes for them when she retired or something. <laughs> kept their children or something. And so I tried not to because every other clinic. And then I didn't want to go to a facility like Wings. I was like, I want to go there, <laughs> you know, or something like that. So I went to the anchor clinic and I went there a few months. And so she began to put me at the end of the session because she said I lifted her up after all that she had went through <laughs> with her other clients. <laughs> But what what got me to the rec- um, recovery room, it was like when 2020 hit, something snapped. It was like I woke up and I'm seeing all these people dying and people are grieving. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, my God, how can I help? And so I was telling my husband about I said, I got to do something to help these people get through it. Um, fast, uh, rewind back. So I go to another service and I take some young people and I help um the lady worked the altar with the young people. And so as I'm going back, she tells me to come back to the altar. And when I go back to the altar, she began to share with me that God said he wanted to do something for me in seven days that I've been asking him to do. So I told her, okay. So she said, in seven days, call me. So seven day came and I was like, you know, so I didn't call her because I was like, Uh-oh. and it was a very good day. I mean, I had a very good day. So she called me and she was like, I've been waiting for you to call me. And I was like, oh, well, I, I forgot about it. And so she began to share with me that God, what God had imparted to her and what God had imparted to her was that he was shortening my grief time because I said to him, take this cup of grief from me. Mm. So I could feel that day that it had lifted. So that's when 2020 hit. People were dealing with this. So 2020, I'm like, OK, God, what do I do? What do I do? From 2020 to 2022, God, be- I began just here and there sharing my story. And God, one morning I woke up and God said this to me. Some births take place in a delivery room. But many births need to take place in a recovery room. Put that on the t-shirt. My and so goodness. when I sat there and I wrote it, I saw I'm, I'm big on writing stuff down. So I said, yes, that's right. Some things are birthed in the delivery room. 
but sometimes we have to be rebirth through recovery. And I think one of you all said that you were not the same after your grandmother. After any loss, after any addiction, you're not going to be the same person you were. God is trying to birth somebody new within, within it to yeah. do something new for him. And so um, the recovery room began and God began to metamorphose me. It took, it took about three years and I began to um, develop the ministry. I started doing Zooms where people could get on and we discussed. Me and my husband did the first one together. He shared about um, what I went through, um, what, what he saw on me. And people were really amazed because they were like, you came to work smiling all the time. And I said, that's just me. But that shows you that people are smiling and dealing with issues. I mean, we look on Facebook and we see all these nice pictures and all these things, but we don't know what people are actually dealing with on the inside. Right. <clears throat> and uh, when I would talk about the grief, people would be like, mm, you know, they would change the subject. And I guess I needed a Palmer there to be funny. <laughs> But I was trying to make them understand they did, they couldn't see that they were in it. Right. And it and some of it was not from a loss of a loved one. Some was lost for a job. Right. Divorce. Lo, um, loss of homes. Yeah. Loss is loss. It doesn't matter what it is. Loss is loss. If you get lost from a kinda, church. I was about to say I had two things that catapulted my addiction. One was when I found out I was adopted. Two was when Ashley died. Like so that was just that that was trauma that was just undealt with and grief that yeah. was just undealt mm-hmm. with that I never wanted to face it. I just kept trying to numb from yeah. that just became this big, bigger thing. So it turned into a 27 year addiction. So, I mean, yeah. or like when we, we were, were talking to John on our last episode, you know, he couldn't play baseball anymore. It was a loss of a dream. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, you thought your life was going to go this way and it didn't go that way. You, mm-hmm. you got hurt or right. so, I mean, loss is loss is loss is what, what I think it she's is. trying to trying to it tell is. you. It's not just, you're not just grieving a death or a relationship or some, I mean, it could be anything. You're the way you feel. You're justified in the way you feel, no matter what that loss is. You could lost your dog and that have been your best friend your whole life. And if that's your loss that caused you to get where you're at, that's okay. Whatever your loss is, is is your loss. Right. It's how we deal with it. It is. Is is, is what matters. It is. So having places like the recovery room is awesome. And in the midst of 2020, when the world is going oh, to yeah. hell in a handbasket, and there were so many people dying, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and everybody is seemingly afraid of this this thing, for you to be like, okay, I just went through grief. I know what it takes to to get out of that. And I, and I know I have the ability to help these people that are grieving. That's just amazing. I mean. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's taking our pain and recycling it so that we can help others. That's right. In the middle of theirs. That, Amen. I, I'm, I'm 100% convinced that is why we go through the, our storms and our pain is so that we can help somebody mm-hmm. I'm further along than somebody else coming in that's in the middle of it. When they come out, I'm right there to help them. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why one of the gifts of the spirits is long-suffering. I just mentioned that earlier, This yeah. that we have to have that gift to be able to understand and empathize with other people we whenever do. we are trying to teach and mold and get them to break some of the cycles and traditions and um, yeah. what's the word? Religions? Yeah. You know, um, that they do. And a lot of people are going to look at me funny or they're going to hear that funny when I say religions. God wasn't here for religion. God was here for relationship. That's right. That's you right. Know. Put that on a T-shirt. Put yeah, that I on a T-shirt. Put that on a T-shirt. <laughs> I knew you were going to say it. Yeah. only thing I would do is I'd but, I change. Mean, I think, uh, Jesus was not here for religion. Jesus was here for relationship. There we go. Well, I just think, you know. But I, I knew what you meant. A lot of times that, you know we end up in these situations where we don't understand death. We don't understand that it is definitively going to happen to us all. Yeah. It's going to happen. Nobody's going to leave this yeah. situation alive. But I mean, I think we get so Sorry. caught up in, <laughs> we get so caught up in, you know, what we think is supposed to happen, happen. or how long they're supposed to be here, or when mm-hmm. they're supposed to go. Or yeah. What did you say last episode? We're all trying to teach God how to be God. Exactly. Yeah. We're, we're literally, Trying to teach God how to be God right. on a daily basis. I can basis. only imagine how, how much God just laughs at us. Like he literally probably he sits over there and he's just like, 
No, my son. This is oh, not how this Palmer. is <laughs> Right? I'm very sure he laughs at us at, in the new year when we make all these lists of all these things that we're going to do. New eat. year, new me. Woo! But so, <laughs> but so, like, even today, today, today was a, a, it was a, it's been a day of patience testing. And had I wanted to go the way that I wanted to go, or try to force the day to go the way I wanted it to, I would be sitting up here start raving mad, sad, aggravating everything else. It's the same way with grief. Because we think okay. it's supposed to go one way, and mm. we want it to go this way. Go we want them way. here, and it's, it's a selfish thing a, a, about us. And, I mean, that's just what it is. Well, when it turns I out, said I was we sorry. Also, we put grief on a timeline like, oh, man, I'm, there is no timeline. I'm five no, years into this. This should not be affecting me in this way. Like, mm-hmm. so we put grief on this timeline, and when it doesn't go how we're expecting, then we want to get all butthurt about it, right? Yeah. So, I yeah. mean, yeah, like you, you said in the last episode, um, whether it makes it onto the episode or not, I, I don't know. I haven't edited yet, <laughs> but like you said on the the last episode, talking about um, somebody that you know that went to CR for X amount of times and then thought they were good. And they're and like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I don't need this anymore. Left, and unfortunately, ended right back up in addiction and um, overdosed and died. And so that's what we find if we if we don't take time to understand that this is an everyday process. Yep. Yeah. Your Christianity, your recovery, same thing. Every day you have to wake up and you have to decide that I'm going to be better today. And if you fail, if you fail from being better today than you were yesterday, guess what? Tomorrow is a new day. God's grace and God's mercy is new every morning. Moments. Yeah. Moments. We don't recover, heal, or get over things in a day Mm -hmm. or days. It's moments. Moments. Amen. It's always moments because, like, even with grief, grief will spike up in a moment. You just got to figure out a way to deal with it right then. Pray about it. Or, yeah. I mean, know. it literally took, you know, 20 years for me to stop crying on my best friend's birthday. Right. You know, or stop having a bad week the week leading up oh, to, his, to bir- his birthday. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Because, That's like, the tough one, man. Yeah. I, I never, I never the, truly the gave it to God. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. You the knew it's, it. you know, it's coming and. I mean, my family would be able to tell you, they're like... You still can't what hit is, the watch out button, because, I mean, you don't exactly, know how to duck that. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, what is wrong with him? He's grieving. So, I saw this great analogy, <laughs> and I saved it, because I wanted to share it on this episode. That's why he's been on his phone. He's That's not He's not texting phone. or anything. He was texting. Okay, just, just so, <laughs> he was texting. So, it's a great analogy. Imagine <laughs> you've got this box... Whatever kind of box you want to imagine, and imagine there's a ball in it, and this ball... Is almost the exact same size as the box. And you have a pain button inside of that box. Now, in the beginning of the grief, that ball is huge. Like I said, it's the same size as the box. You can't move the box without the ball mm. hitting the pain button. Oh, wow. It rattles around on its own in the box and it hits the button over and over and over. You cannot control it. It just keeps hurting. Sometimes it seems unrelenting. Over time, the ball gets smaller. It hits the button less and less, but when it does, it hurts just as much. It's better because you can function day to day more easily, but the downside is that the ball randomly hits that button when you least expect it. For most people, the ball never really goes away. It might hit less and less, and you have more time to recover between hits. Unlike when the ball was a giant, it still is going to hurt. Now, Chandra, share with us some tips for somebody that's going through this holiday season in some grief. How how are some ways they can survive this holiday season? Some ways they can survive this holiday season, I would say, um, like we were just saying, that the week leading up to you dread it. Mm-hmm. So I would, me speaking personally, I would go ahead and seek counseling. Yeah. I know that is, um, some people say, I can't, can't go see a counselor. But it's important to seek help because sometimes mm-hmm. we try to think things 
out ourselves. We try to pray things out and prayer helps, but you still need someone to talk to, to get it out. Yeah. Um, you may, and some people, I hear people say, I'm trying to hold it in and be strong all the time. We can't be strong. Sometimes you may have to cry. Yeah. But so I would say, seek help. Um, find faith based ministries that Most you can definitely. go to mm-hmm. that can be a help to you because you may find like people that are dealing with the same thing. Hey, they may say you may have gone before the holidays and they may say, do you have somebody to spend the holidays with? Come spend the holiday with me and my family. Amen. And that can help bring joy to you. Um, um, and that brings joy to the people that are helping you yes, as well. It That's does. what y'all need to understand. The more one, like I said in the last episode, so if you haven't uh, seen that or, or listened to, um, we were never meant to, the reason Jesus calls us sheep is because we were never meant to be load-bearing animals, mm-hmm. ever. We're not meant to do this life alone. We're sheep. We're supposed to be in a flock. We're supposed to find our flock. And we're not meant to carry any weight. Our weight is to be distributed among our flock. And most importantly, your weight, your grief, your addiction is supposed to be carried by the Father, not by you. So going and talking to someone is, well, look, we have this podcast so that if you don't can't go to a meeting, this is your meeting. Yeah. You can yeah, turn it on. You, you can turn it on. Uh, watch it on YouTube. Turn it on Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. Recovery but, to go. Yeah, it's recovery to go. <laughs> but put it in a box. <laughs> but mainly, we want y'all to be with your flock. Find your flock. Go to you guys watching at North Park. You're with your flock. But the people that are not watching at North Park, find your flock. Find your CR. Your recovery room, mm-hmm. your whatever the, the case may be. We're meant to do this life together, not that's by right. ourselves. That's right. So, for one... Circles, not rows. That's right. I like that. <laughs> so, number one, seek, seek help, mm-hmm. find help. Find somebody get to talk to. a community, something. Don't do this alone. Right. Don't right. Do, and don't isolate yourself. Amen. Ooh. Stay Especially out of during the holidays. Because when you isolate yourself during the holidays, <clears throat> your thoughts begin to, like I was saying, the devil begin to talk to me. And you get all these thoughts gathered up and you have evidence of why this, that, whatever. Right. <laughs> you gather evidence <laughs> of, of <laughs> why, you're, why it's okay to deal with this. Why it's okay to isolate myself. Um, I don't want to be around people. And you can eat, that can even happen with, like I said, the things that were said to me at church. Mm-hmm. You can begin to isolate yourself. So sometimes I know that we're dealing with grief, but sometimes we may have to, Say, hey, I know I can talk to you. I need some help. And can I come over sometimes? And we have to do that. But one thing I want to say, not only to those that are dealing with grief, but people that may see people that are dealing with grief, um, I will say to them, um, when you see people in your church, and I'll say this to North Park Church, um, you may have people in your church that are dealing with grief. Reach out to them. Don't let them, if you know they're dealing with the loss or they've dealt with the loss or they've had people to die in the past or whenever, they may be still dealing with those things. Reach out to them and say, hey, um, let's go out to eat. Um, invite, a, invite them over for the holidays so that they will be able to have someone reach out. Sometimes we, we fail to reach out to people. We say, oh, how you doing? Oh, I'm dreading the holidays. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. I'll be praying for you. And we keep moving. Oh, well, man. That's That's, that's what worst. Jesus told us. Um, I was hungry and you didn't feed me. That's right. I was in prison and you didn't come see me. There, That's where he's going to judge us for those things when we get to heaven. So, right. You know. The, the, the part that kills me is when people say, how are you doing? And it's literally, as soon as you start, does it really, you know. They don't want to hear how you're doing. Authentically tell them how nope. you're doing. Yeah, they don't want to hear it. Oh, that's unfortunate. I'll it pray is. for you. I'll pray for no, you. No, I don't want to hear that's unfortunate. I'll pray. Like, you asked me how I was doing. Like, I, I want you to have a conversation with me about it. Because obviously, if I hold this in, you know, there's been time and time again where people have crossed other people, said that. And that person went out and either killed themselves, attempted to, or ended up in some kind of asylum. Or relapse. Or, yeah, a deep relapse. Just because somebody did not take the time to buy in or invest themselves. You know what I mean? Like, invest yourself, man. Invest yourself in other people. Let people invest in you. You know, that's that's another thing that will break some of that grief off of you. Yeah. All right. So we got seek help. Don't isolate. Do we have a third one? 
Um, I would say um, the other thing I would say is, um, and like I said, I, some of these I'm saying to the people that see people that are dealing with grief. Like I said, reach out to them. Yeah. Also, I would say um, as far as people that see people dealing with grief, if you have a story and you've gone through grief and you have learned how to navigate it, Help somebody else navigate it. Yeah. yeah. Reach out to them. Don't see them. Um, me and my husband were just talking about um, someone that had navigated divorce. And it was somebody they knew sitting right in front of them dealing with divorce. But they were just sitting there. Watching them go through it. Yeah. Just like this. Yeah. And never said anything. And I was like, I mean, but how, I just know. don't understand how you watch people go through it when you've been through it and you don't offer not a hand up, hand out, nothing. I mean, it's just, I don't know. Well, that's because you have two different kind of people in this world. You got one, the type, you got one type of person who's like, I went through this, so you must go through this. And then you got the other type is, I went through this, now let me help you. So since you're going through this, let me help you. I mean, like necessarily, have, just because you help them doesn't mean you're stopping them from going through and having to experience their own pain and yeah, hurt. But, that's but right. I mean, you're just helping them navigate it a lot better so they're not jumping off a cliff. At the that's end what I'm saying. You, you have two different kind of people. You got one that's like, hey, I feel like since I went through this, then you've got to. Yeah. And I mean, that's the same type of person that, like, if you go into a, a, a office party and there's a set amount of pizza and you see that they're about to run out of pizza, Oh, well, let me go ahead and get four or five slices. Or take the whole box. And then you got another person that's like, oh, we're about to run out of pizza. I let, said let me, I was let sorry. Let me get one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you got those, you, it's those, it's the, it's the same thing. Like, we're about to, it. we're about to run out. Let me get more. Or, hey, I'm about to, we're about to run out. Let me get just one. I it's the, it's the, it's the same it. kind of thing. No kind of problem. No. <laughs> I can't, no. can't even carry on the conversation. I love pizza. That's why I'm like, no. <laughs> <sighs> Sorry, Josh. See what we're doing? Uh-huh. Yeah. But all of, all of that truly points back to you have to find your flock. I mean, if you are the one kind of person, you better go find the people that are just like you. If you're the other yeah. kind of person, you better go find the people that are just like that. Yeah. You know, knowing who your people is, who your family is, you know. All right. So. You've heard it here. Your three things that you can do to help you navigate this holiday season with grief. Number one, seek help. Number two, don't isolate. And then number three, if you're going through this, go help somebody else navigate through this on their own grief journey. So I hope that helps this holiday season for those that are dealing with grief. And if you have enjoyed today's episode, Give us a like, give us a share. I hope that you have found something in today's episode that was helpful and encouraging. And if you're listening and still in the darkness of addiction, I hope, Palmer hopes, Drew hopes, Chandra hopes, that today's episode has been a lighthouse guiding you out of that pit and into the hope of sobriety and recovery. And I think we've already talked about it, but I'm going to say it again because I'm going to beat a dead horse. People wear masks. Yep. People look like they're okay. Grief hits hard this time of year. Remember to be kind. It doesn't cost you anything. Amen. Yeah, uh, I, I was going to say earlier when you were talking that uh, about putting on a smile. Um, I think, just like Josh said, I think most of us need to remember that some of the people that are hurting the most are going to have the biggest smile on their face. And so this holiday season, I encourage you to find those people and make sure they're okay. Truly make sure they're okay. And for more recovery content, visit our brand new website, unashamedrecovery.com. There you will find addiction, faith, recovery themed blogs to take you deeper into your sobriety and recovery journeys. You can even donate to the show to help us reach more people still lost in the darkness of addiction. Also, check out more amazing recovery podcasts over at Take 12 Recovery Radio, Recovery Podcast Network. That link is in the show notes as well as under our partners page on the new website. And that's all for this episode. Remember to stay sober and above all else, keep on 12th stepping as you stay Unashamed. Love you guys.